Welcome to This Just In, the show bringing you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. And now, for the fastest voice in healthcare, here's your host, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. And today, we're broadcasting live from the Health Conference in Las Vegas. Very excited to be here and among the 10,000 or so calling this conference home for the next few days. For this episode, though, my 252nd episode, we are having back on air a longtime friend, but also a very successful digital health entrepreneur, Mark Dorner, founder and CEO of Precise MDX. Welcome back to the show, my good friend. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate you having me here. You got it. I'm glad this uh, came together. It's a great opportunity to broadcast live here from the conference and you being my very first guest. I, mean, I know we always have lively conversations, so I know this will just uh, be another one. So before we dive in, how's the conference been so far? Well, I can't believe there's only 10,000 people here. It's a very, very well-attended conference, and it it's is. great to be back at a, at a busy conference again. Um, specifically, the layout and design this year look really nice, like the, how they laid it out, the hallways, very, yeah. very uh, innovative, very techy looking. It is. When you come in here, you come through a hallway that's just lit up in, in you know, purple and blue and green and white and yellow. And it's yeah. it's actually a very, very cool ambiance as you walk in here. Yeah, they have a, a DJ playing in the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very interesting. But but health has always been a very kind of innovative, cutting edge conference. It has. Unlike the other healthcare ones, which are kind of more quiet. <laughs> more quiet. I like that. Yeah, no, this, this conference is picking up also a lot of steam. Because people say, well, why do you go to health or, you know, what about health? What I found is a lot of thought leaders come here and just it's deep learning. And, and I'm not saying the other conferences aren't deep learning, but here tend to be a lot of on the front end of innovation, where technology is going uh, and it's evolving. And so it's kind of it's kind of cool to be here, um, collaborate with those people, learn where we can and share when we can and certainly best practices and all that good stuff. And we'll share some of that today. So on the cool technology side and the innovation side, what have you seen so far out there? Well, you know, I've been walking the show and meeting some companies. There is a lot of really nice patient-focused technologies, uh, consumerism at the show. And I feel like it's a good blend of startups and established companies. So some established companies yeah. kind of changing their messaging to be more kind of outreach to consumers, as well as uh, startups approaching it from different um, angles. Uh, we even ran into one of our one of our customers here, uh, Innovative Health Diagnostics. Mm -hmm. They've launched a new direct-to-consumer testing kit line. So it's kind of exciting to kind of see them. I didn't know they were going to be at the show. So yeah. it's exciting to run into them. There's a lot. There's a lot of that. I mean, as I was walking around, I just said, I, you know, basically, I know they'd have a booth there. Not sure that why they'd have a booth here. I see that in different areas, but you never know who's going to be here. And so it's kind of cool. You know, I certainly, if, if you're, you know, raising capital, looking for business partnerships, relationships, and just seeing, you know, what's out there um, and growing your business, it, it's a great show to be at. Yeah. So. It's a great place to showcase your, your product and your message. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. So what cool conversations or meetings you've had thus far? I know, you know, you just got in recently, but what have you, what have you, you know, seen and heard? Oh, so many great meetings out of the gate. You know, everybody here has a very positive attitude and, yeah. and, and are here to collaborate, really. You know, one of the one of the ones that stood out is I met a, I call them a science company. Um, they, they do research. They're focused on precision medicine, uh, Genomind. Mm -hmm. um, they've been in the pharmacogenetic space for over a decade. Um, you know, pharmacogenetics, also known as PGX, it's a field of research that studies how a person's genes affect how they will respond to medication. So the long-term goal is to help doctors select the right drugs and dosages that best suited for each person. So it's kind of a fascinating field. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've been in it for a while. 
and it's getting a lot of steam um, you know, in recent years. What's an example? Uh, what's an example of BGX? I mean, uh, my mom, for example, was prescribed uh, medication by her physician. Um, he had her go do the test. And uh, I asked him, well, why are you having, this was before I, I've met these companies, why are mm-hmm. you having to do this test? I said, well, you know, certain people we've, you know, as uh, medicine advances, precision medicine, genetic research, genome sequencing, we found certain genes that, you know, will tell us if, you know, one medication versus an- another will be more effective for the patient. And even in some cases where a medication could be fatal. Right. Because the gene, uh, they have a certain gene they carry. And you can know this up front. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. That's very, very cool. I know that's making its way in, you know, as is getting out of the EHR industry, we're putting some of that content into the EHR so we can have it at the forefront of clinical care. When, you know, you're meeting with the doctor, you might have some of those results right up there, right at the you know fingertip of the doctor, right on the screen. Yeah. And it's all about access to information because, you know, physicians, they have to carry a lot of information around their head mm-hmm. about to treat patients, different conditions, depending on specialty. Um, they can't know everything all the time. Right. So being able to present them with that information to say, oh, you're about to prescribe a certain medicine. Did you know? Latest research shows just do this test, and and then you know you might you might uh, make a change in your clinical decision making. Yep. No, and that's obviously. I mean, I, a lot of my listeners are in this space and, and deep in this space, and so they they know that this is the future of where healthcare is going. Precision medicine, it's it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's how do you? It, it's not when, but you know, almost how do you integrate it into your platform? Where do, how do you access it as part of your journey for how you're building your technology and innovation, um, and how do you leverage it best? Because patients, patients are going to demand it. Providers are going to demand it. It's part of our future. It's really important for care. Absolutely. So very cool. Um, so, I mean, overall, uh, and we'll continue to dive in, but what do you hope to achieve here at the health conference? Well, you know, I attend these conferences to kind of keep up with what's new in healthcare technology space, as well as, you know, look for, you know, companies we could potentially partner with, focus on consumerism. So I really make it a, a point to attend these shows. And health is a, is a great example of one where you can really see what's new and innovative out there. Um, you know, shamelessly, I like to copy ideas that I see, too. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. Get yeah. to market faster. Yeah. But yeah, definitely just kind of walking around. I walk the show end to end. I look from the giant booths from the big companies yeah. to the small startup pavilions and and really try to understand, you know, what what the trends are as well as how people are addressing them. So like the the new trend in consumerism, right? It's been around for a long time, but it seemed during the pandemic to get a lot of focus uh, on the patients and that the patient is your customer Mm -hmm. and seeing how different companies are approaching it from messaging, automation, AI to better understand how to serve them. Uh, Some things that exist in other industries that are kind of now making their way into healthcare, Mm -hmm. like retail, which is very kind of consumer centric. So it's interesting to see. Yeah. And I do recommend, obviously... The, attending these conferences are great ways to learn, great ways to stay in touch with your peers, um, stay in the forefront of how healthcare and or you, how your industry is evolving. But obviously, ours is healthcare and digital health and health IT. Mm-hmm. But also to to really see where markets, you know, we talk about there's hype and then there's also kind of rubber, where the rubber meets the road, and you can kind of see that as you walk around, you can still see some of the hype aspects and what's being hyped without a lot of substance behind it. But also, it's kind of cool to see where some of this is really starting to get traction yeah. and, and what were, what, you know, tangible results and, and real, real case studies that people have gone through now and could even be a year or two old and being tweaked as we go around. And so I'm starting to see more and more of that. And it's kind of, there's a great um, a picture yesterday on uh, social media with Mickey Chirpathy who talks about um, we're basically coming out of, we had this great hype cycle with, with some policy 
um, and not hype in a bad way, but we kind of built up and we went through this this great cycle. And then with Meaningful You Stage 2, we kind of lost the luster a little bit, a little bit of heavy regulation. And now we're coming out um, onto this journey of more um, of a lot of this stuff coming together. Now it's, a lot of the hard work has been laid. A lot of that foundation has been laid. And now we're starting to really um, see more of the fruitions of, uh, you know, with meaningful use or just people using technology. I know mm-hmm. meaningful use is a, is a four-letter word in a lot of ways to a lot of care providers. And I understand that. However, the infrastructure that we built is allowing us to do precision medicine. It's allowing us to have interoperable systems. Absolutely. It's allowing us to share data. It's allowing us to get better data in the hands of providers, better data in the hands of payers, better data in the hands of patients. So you just brought up that patient journey. So that's what all that did. I know it was a very painful 10 years, uh, but it, I, we're coming out of it. We're seeing a lot of the fruits of the labor, uh, and it's very exciting. And so there's been a couple of talks in the last 24 hours on that exact journey, and it's, a, and it's very positive. And so there's no, you know, I don't see tons more policy coming out. There's big, we had a very large uh, dinner last night of, of just people coming together who had worked on a lot of that stuff throughout the last 10 to 15 years. And the good thing is we don't see tons of new policy, but we do see us tweaking and, and making the policy that we created over the last 10, 15 years, 20 years better. And that's really exciting because that's really where, uh, you know, our patients deserve it and certainly our community deserves yeah, it. Absolutely. And it's the, the natural evolution of an idea. It reminds me of when uh, population health kind of came out as a bu- buzzword years and years ago. Right, yeah. Everybody's like, we're doing pop health. We're doing pop health. And, and you know, no one really kind of knew what they were doing and. Now, you know, now it's actionable, it's very specific reports, and, and it's actionable in clinical ways, in financial ways, operational ways, so really the evolution of an idea. So precision medicine also is like, this is a great idea, the science supports it, and how do we make it actionable? How can we turn that into something people can use on a day-to-day basis to better their lives and, and their health? Um, and, we're, and we're there. Yep. We're there, and it and continues to grow. It's a great space. It's very true. So I just actually... Um, pulled up this slide from uh, that Miku was presenting yesterday, and it literally says the slope of enlightenment. So that's that's where we are right now. We went through obviously the High Tech Act and the Meaningful Use Stage One, Two, and Stage Three, and then Twenty First Century Cures Act. And I do want to dive into interoperability a, a little bit here because I know that's not spoken about as much, but it's fueling almost everything that we see on this show floor. But we don't talk about it as much. There are still barriers out there. We certainly mm-hmm. understand that. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good work to, to break down those barriers. But what's enabling and fueling a lot of what we see here is interoperability. And that's where the 21st Century Cures Act. So the part that Mickey spoke on yesterday was the 21st century digital healthcare system and that slope of environment and a plateau of productivity. So again, um, slope of enlightenment, which I totally agree, we're getting, we're basically coming into that with, you know, all these cool innovations that we're leveraging that are leveraging a lot of that we built over the last 10, 15, 20 years in this plateau of productivity. So you're going to hear a lot more of that in the coming years. I know from the ONC, from Mickey, um, and a lot of others, but it's really cool to see that, and I completely agree uh, and support it. Yeah, the, the challenge with interoperability is it's not sexy, mm-hmm, and it's right. behind the scenes. It's not very visual. Yeah, it's connecting different systems together. So this all happens, you know, under the hood, with the wires, and it's hard. <laughs> yeah. and it's you know you have different companies, different policies, different data that doesn't line up. I was at a lab conference, and they were saying all the labs track their information differently. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to come up with like a like yeah. a lab information exchange because everybody. You know, we get into the science, it's a lot of data and they don't all map it the same way. Um, so, yeah, interoperability has always been a challenge in, in a lot of industries, specifically in healthcare that has a lot of information, both mm-hmm. clinical and operational. And really, you know, you have to innovate to, to do it effectively. And, and it's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, you and I were catching up off air and you brought up, you know, how... Not only interoperability is important to you and how it's a real hot button and why you growing, you're so growing so quickly... 
but also you brought up you know the lab is one of the last bastions in healthcare that's still on paper so not only are you if you do you know curate or or collect data or have data it may not be stored in any discrete manner but then you have a lot of paper as well which is almost is impossible for interoperability yeah so it's kind of so talk i mean give me a couple seconds on that and what that means to you well definitely if if you're a fax repair salesman (laughs) healthcare is your spot (laughs) because there's a lot of paper there and labs you know when you're dealing with a giant hospital and you want to communicate outside you know it's worth the effort to integrate systems and, and and do that interoperability when you're a lab servicing provider groups, a regional lab, a national lab, it becomes tricky because your customers are on hundreds or thousands of different systems. It's not it's not feasible to like connect everyone. So you just kind of give up and you just deal with paper mm-hmm. and other things. And and really, you want to come with innovative approaches where you look at where does the information come from and who needs it and what point of time. A lot of the information comes from the patient. Patients right. are trained today to give their information absolutely and you know why have the provider staff you know put in information that the patient just you know can do themselves um you know and i've seen that myself i I would go to a specialist office fill out forms and then go next door to the lab and fill out forms and i just i just fill this out can i just get a photocopy and walk over with it or even better have it connect so yeah we see that in the in life today and uh yeah one of the reasons we founded the company was to kind of focus on that area the lab space and and really provide a better connected digital journey to to make things better. And when you when you provide interoperability, you're reducing work that's needed to deal with the paper. You're increasing patient safety from all the human errors that are related to paper. Um, and it's better for everybody. There's no downside. Um, it's just a little hard. It's cool. No, it's great. So for those that may have joined a little late today, my special guest is Mark Dorner, founder and CEO of Precise MDX. So tell us about Precise MDX and specifically what problems you're solving in healthcare. Yeah. So we started Precise MDX really to create that connected digital journey between patients, providers, and labs. So to get them away from paper and getting all the benefits from making things electronic, you know, this really elevates the experience for everyone involved and provides access and opportunities that don't exist in a non-integrated world. So for example, for patients, they are able to track their tests as well as understand the cost of healthcare up front two very important things that they don't have access to when it's revolved around paper. Um, providers, you know, the care providers, physicians who are ordering the tests, less work, and also greater visibility into the testing flow. Where's the test? When's it coming back? Mm-hmm. And of course, the laboratories have a huge benefit in reduced overhead, increased patient safety, and significant growth because people want to do business with innovative labs that are easier to do business with. Um, so that's kind of really why we got into the space, just to solve that problem. And, and it's a big problem. How do you solve for pricing transparency? That's been around for a while. People yeah. have tried it. What makes you different? Well, first of all, um, we have a lot of experience in healthcare. We've been doing this for 25 years. We know how to put together patient estimators, look at their insurance, understand the cost of services. Um, I, I like to say it's not rocket science, but it's not easy. Yeah. Um, you know, with the No Surprise Act that came out this year, um, you know, healthcare providers have to do it. They mm-hmm. have to provide good faith estimates to patients. And I was reading a recent survey that said 35% of patients are um, not getting care. They're not seeking care because of the uncertainty of the cost. It's not that they checked and it was too expensive. Right. They're just like, you know what? I, I can just live with this because I know healthcare is expensive. We've all done that. That 35% <laughs> is a very low number. We all do that. I've done that this year. I was just to do my some you know routine tests. I don't have a haven't found the time, but also how much is that going to cost me? You know, this thousand dollars or a hundred dollars? It's somewhere in there. It's in twelve hundred dollars. I don't know. Well, so. y- your provider usually doesn't know. No, and definitely if they're not the one billing for it, it's a lab. Yeah. I mean, I, I just got my my annual wellness checkup, and 
I wanted to do an extra mercury test because I ate a lot of sushi. And I heard that if I ate a lot of sushi, I could get mercury poisoning and forget things like getting mercury tested. Yep. And the doc said, well, I know it's not part of your annual wellness, is it? Don't ask me how much it costs. I have no <laughs> idea. And I have no idea how long it's going to take. But do you want it? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, okay. Right. And, you know, interestingly enough, uh, one of my colleagues um, just got a whole bunch of uh, lab work done. And he got this huge surprise bill and he called them and said, you didn't give me a good faith estimate and I don't have to pay. And the lab was like, uh, and they were part of a health system. They're like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you're right. Don't pay. Oh, wow. They didn't he, want, yeah, he, they didn't, he used the rule against them. And they, they knew about it, but they just couldn't technically yeah. Yeah. They figure it, it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now, you know, you know what happens with these rules and compliance. You know, HIPAA came out. People are like, ah, HIPAA, it's not a big deal. All of a sudden, fines, enforcement. Yeah, enforcement. Right. Oh, now it's important. Yeah, exactly. So the No Surprise Act, which is a very, very good act. Yep. People have the right to know how yep. much things cost before they buy them. Yeah. Imagine going to a restaurant saying, well, when you're done eating, yeah. we'll let you know how much it costs. Yeah, no one would do that. So what does, um, I like to ask this to my guests when I have time. What makes you better at, in Precise MDX and what's your superpower as a company? Um. Ooh, that's a hard question. I think it's a combination of things. So, you know, we definitely have a lot of experience in enterprise healthcare. We've been doing it for decades. Some of us, a lot of decades. I'm pretty old. <laughs> and um, we work really hard and we listen to our customers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a superpower, but we definitely know where to focus. So we constantly go back and saying, you know, is the product and service we're providing, is it helping you? Is it making life better? Is it not? And we constantly, you know, when you focus on that, things tend to work out. No, that's actually uh, very smart. There's wisdom in that, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, and I think this is probably a follow-up, but, you know, 50% of my listeners are C-suite healthcare executives, and most are entrepreneurs. So what advice or leadership would you share with them? I mean, really just what I said about, you know, listening to your customers. Mm-hmm. I think it's key and not being afraid to pivot. So, you know, we, we, you know, we go down paths with product. We, we, we develop as a startup. And when you innovate, it, you can't copy stuff, right? You're innovating. So you... you kind of come up with an idea and you, you build it and you go out there and see how people respond. But you have to really, re- really be ready to be like, yeah, that one, that, that didn't work. Right. You know, people don't like that. They don't care about it. Let's, let's cut our losses and, and proceed in a direction that does matter. So really just constantly listening to the customers, being able to have um, that feedback loop is, is really key. And it actually promotes good relationships. They know you care about what they want and you're really focused on making it better for them. Yeah, and I, I want to take a second on that because there's a you are a product founder yourself, and you have been for many years, and you even said decades because you're older. Um, people get founderitis where they have a really good idea, and they're they're wed to their idea, and they know and then they're smart, and so they're kind of wed to that. They don't pivot. They don't. They say, "Well, they should know." And no, this is what you 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 don't tell that person what you want them to know. You listen to what they want, and you you meld that together. And that's what pivoting is all about. Mm-hmm. But a lot of founders don't do that, and that's why nine out of ten companies fail. Yes. 90% fail. Yeah. So you got to be that extra, you got to have a superpower <laughs> to get past yeah. that. I mean, that listening, 90%. listening is a superpower. It is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Excellent point. I love it. Um, so what's the one thing that you've learned over the past 25 years that you wish you had learned in year one? Oh, well, what you just said about not getting married to your idea <laughs> and trying to convince people, but, yeah. but you don't understand this right. is, this right. is, this is better for you. And they're like, no, it's not. No, you just don't understand because yeah. I know it's better. For I've you. heard all that. Yeah. yeah and, and no, that's not true. Right. You know, cause either they, um, it's not better for them or you're not explaining it the right way. Mm-hmm. And maybe they don't understand. Maybe you need to approach it or maybe like, you know, you need to be, you just need to listen. Um, and of course, you know, early on when I, when I started my career, I didn't listen. I thought I knew everything. 
Um, and now, even though I think I know everything, I just I don't say it out loud <laughs> on a radio show. Perfect. <laughs> Love that. Hey, transparency and honesty goes a long way. Absolutely. That's excellent. Being self-aware, even better. Um, no, I think that's, uh, you know, listening is not just a, um, a great feature, uh, you know, in, in this context, but also... I have a lot of people who also are in sales that listen to my radio show, and that's a really important trait. So again, not even being a good leader, not being a good CEO or board member, but also being just a good, you know, on the sales side. People, salespeople get very proud of what they have. They love, you know, we have 18 great products, or we have five great products or functionalities, and they don't take time to actually listen and solve the problem. They want to sell what they have, not listen to the problem, and then solve the customer's problem. You'll get your deal done probably two to three times faster. You actually solve their problem, not sell what you have. Because yeah. you can, there should be a middle. Obviously, you got to solve their problems with your technology, but it's about listening. And, and you know, people can sense if you really care about their well-being or not. Very true. Like when we we go out there with companies and products, and this one also, we want to make things better and easier for our customers, so we care. And when you sit with them, they they can feel that you're listening to them. You're trying to. You can't always succeed, but if if they know you care and you're trying, that you have their best interests at heart, that's what's important. And if you have a good product, it should be able to do that. Very true. Got two minutes left or so. Let's pull out the crystal ball. Uh-oh. My audience loves this, and I love this segment. I can't get to the whole segment because I usually do a whole show and just this one of these couple of questions. But what do you see as some of the major themes maybe that we haven't seen here at Health or that's coming out in the next 6 to 12 months that we may not be thinking about? I mean, if you look at uh, healthcare, you know, your customer is the patient. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's right. They're the patient. Yep. Right? You have intermediaries who your customer and your customers, but it, it's really the patient. And you have to look at what are consumers concerned about. A lot of people are worried about recession. Mm-hmm. A lot of people worry about crypto, but I don't. But a lot of people <laughs> worried about reception. And when they worry about recession, they look at costs and they get more demanding. They're like, if I'm going to spend this money during this time when things are tough, I, I definitely want to get my value. You know, so I want to get good service. And uh, yeah, so I, I think the, the trends on consumerism and just, you know, transparency and healthcare around pricing are going to continue to grow and be a be a big deal. And that also relates to the outcome side, clinical outcomes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, patients go on different services to look up, you know, physician uh, rankings and social media. And, you know, my wife's a doctor and she hates social media because, you know, one patient could like not find parking and give her three stars. Exactly. And, but that's what patients look for these days. Right. And, and people need to wake up and realize it. It's cool. Um, I completely agree. And I think you hit on something with um, with pricing. Even on my way out here, I was running out the door and I got a text from a good friend of mine back in Atlanta. And he said, hey, I know that you're deep in, you know, healthcare and services. And he's like, I got to get a better solution for my insurance. I'm getting killed. My, I'm getting my new rates for next year. I'm about to get clobbered. There's got to be a better way. And he's a healthy person. And his rates have gone up like 42%. Oh, yeah. And I said, absolutely. Everybody's and, has. Yeah. It's, I said, I, I've got a few options for you. Um, and good luck figuring out if you're ready to go from a PPO to an HMO. Like, am I healthy enough? Am I yeah. sick enough? Will yeah. physicians want me as a patient? Yeah. It's, it's hard. Yeah. No, I love my, I have my, my hip nation strategy and all my people in the Southeast uh, use it. Um, it's a great way to, uh, to reduce your costs and, um, and just, you know, get much better care from a personalized doctor. So mm-hmm. no, I, uh, look forward to that conversation, but you're spot on. It was all about cost and, and pricing. So I think with this pricing transparency and this estimator, it's going to be very timely also coming into a recession. I think no matter what, we're going to hit some type of recession. Um, real quickly, got one minute left. 
do you plan to attend Vive in Nashville next year? Yep. Got my tickets already. Love Nashville. Oh. So I'm looking forward to it. It's in March 26. Yeah. I'm booked as well. So I'll look forward to it. Now, I'll actually, yeah, I'll make the announcement. I'll be broadcasting my show live from the, the Vive conference next year. Steve Lieber would be one of my uh, guests. I think we all know, many of you know Steve, a uh, longtime industry veteran. Uh, he's actually part of uh, the Vive organization now and helping them strategically grow. But uh, he'll be one of my first guests. I would love to have you on air at Vive as well, if you have time. I always have time for you, Justin. <laughs> well, we'll check with Amanda before you say that. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> my boss. Exactly. Well, very cool. Well, um, thank you, my friend, for joining us in studio. So uh, what are you off to this afternoon? What do you got? I'm just going to, I like to walk the floor. I'm going to walk the floor, get a bunch of meetings, but just kind of seeing what's out there. Yeah. And uh, you have a team here? Oh, yeah. A bunch of my colleagues are here. They're running around. They're working. I'm just walking the floor. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to see. I don't even know. 300 booths? Do we even do? We, I think it's like 300 and something booths are here. We'll see how many steps I can get in. I'm already at 8,000. Nice. And I have any. Yeah. And we still got uh, half the day to go. So very cool. Well, I hope you um, enjoy the rest. Again, thank you so much for uh, taking time out to join me in studio here. Uh, and thank you very much to our very cool producer over here. Um, this has been, uh, this has been awesome. And we're kind of, we're actually just, everybody knows to visualize where we are. We're in a, and we'll try to publish some pictures here, but we are in a really cool glass bubble, uh, in the middle of the show floor. And so we're like in a fish tank or a fish bowl where everybody can see us. The aquarium. The aquarium. So, um, love it. Um, but, uh, very, very cool. So thank you everybody for tuning in. And um, obviously you can catch us weekdays at 2.30 PM Eastern, 1130 AM Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT advisor and use the hashtag this just radio. So we can respond to your comments from the show. If you missed any of this episode or want to hear more, all my shows are posted on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and tune in. We've also just uh, revamped our JustinBarnes.com site, so you can check that out. And we're posting some new content there as well. Um, thanks, everyone, and stay safe. Enjoy the rest of your week. 